the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Mark Florka. With 45 years of industry experience, Mark knows the ins and outs of baking. He is Bakerpedia's community forum manager and baking instructor. He's here to share knowledge and help you grow connections. You're listening to the Baked In Science Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Baked In Science Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Florka. Today, I sat down with two great friends of mine, Richard Charpentier and Peter Jacobs. This is the first time Richard and Peter actually meet, and we are all very like-minded, passionate bakers, and so we wanted to start a discussion about things going on in the baking industry and some of our impressions and so on. I hope you will enjoy it and please send me some feedback whenever you feel like it. What's great, what's not so great. I always enjoy that. Thanks very much. So let's give it a listen and enjoy. So Richard, meet Peter, gosh, Peter, we've known each other. Must be 25, 30 years, almost something like that. Yeah, close to. Yeah, you. Yeah, it was before you 30. went to Pirados that we first met. Must have been through the pastry chef skills. Yep. And I was at Tierra Food at that point, and that goes about 30 years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's amazing. I know Richard through Bakerpedia. Lynn found Richard, and Richard is also a certified master baker. So you did it through RBA, did you, Richard, or did you do it in France? I started it in France, and in France the system was much longer than in the U.S. Une unité de valeur every year you have to take one. It's impossible to take two, and it takes five years. So I took two. I took psychology, and the, the other one was French laws. So. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. And then I yeah. did the CMB in the U.S. Yeah, It's yeah. a similar story to me. Yeah, I yeah. started my master's in Germany. A special thanks to our sponsor, AB Maori North America, featuring premium bakery ingredient solutions backed by both leading technology and technical support. AB Maori North America is proud to help industrial and artisan bakers be successful and reminds you that who's behind you matters. To learn more, please visit abmna.com. My wish from 1985 on was to immigrate to Canada. I got declined three times because I didn't speak the language. Uh. They figured uh, we don't need a baker. We have enough bakers. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have any money. Uh So I got the system kind of kicked me out. Mm -hmm. And then in 88, I kind of gave up on the idea. I signed up to do my master's in Germany and it was a year and a half course. And then just before I was supposed to start, I find a Swiss chocolatier here in Toronto that was looking for somebody with my skill set. And three months later, I had my papers. Then I had to make a decision. Do I stay in Germany and give up that chance to go to Canada? Or do I do my master's that I wanted to have? Because 
if I wanted to stay in Germany and wanted to operate and own a bakery at some point, you have to have your master's. Yes. Yeah, that's similar There's to no France as well. Two I ways about it. I came over here and then in 2008, when I started with Lasaf, my boss, he heard my story. He goes like, Peter, why don't you go to the uh, retail bakers of America and you do your CMB? A year and a half later in 2010, I got my CMB through the retail bakers of America. I kind of started oh, yeah. similar in that I did my apprenticeship in Germany as a conditor, as a pastry cook. Yeah, I started when I was 15, so I was 18 going on 19 when I graduated. I just wanted to start working and make money. I wasn't really interested in doing a master's at that time. And I stumbled around a couple of jobs, and I, I ended up at Movenpick. Eventually ended up through a bunch of different circumstances, which is now ADM. It was Back then, it was Maple Leaf Mills. And I started off as a tech service rep you know what i mean you can have whatever title you have you can have whatever there's a certain level of knowledge there's a certain level of leadership that you have that you can gain and you will never have any credentials i mean i was yesterday in a bakery doing some troubleshooting and they had a gentleman there before me twice and he's a good friend of mine and i know mm -hmm. that he is at the same level where i'm at mm -hmm. and i go like yeah you know i said that it's maybe a little bit taken the wrong way mm -hmm. just because you have a piece of paper that doesn't mean you're more knowledgeable than somebody else yep mm -hmm. you know in a multiple choice questionnaire for whatever you maybe just been lucky to tick off the right <laughs> you know peter I've, you touch a point which has always been very dear to me as a independent consultant i've been for the last four years i struggle where now all bakers that are coming a consultant who are with the title bakers it's like muhammad ali going in the ring we have to fight each other <laughs> and bakers were always about working together mm -hmm. what i always said what i know is not what you know because you walked a different path but you've learned right. baking from other people but mm -hmm. together when we solve problems we could resolve all the bakers all the problem in the world in five minutes together yeah. But the problem is they ask ourselves. So it's always the thing where, you know, and, and just on that tangent, now I've realized when I have customers, I go and I have retired friends, you know, don't want to work, but they'll come with me when we go two or three people. And they say, mm -hmm. why do you need so many? I said, because we have more eyes. Mm -hmm. I can't see the mixer. I can't see the dough. I can't see the packaging at the same time. So they show you what mm -hmm. they want to show you. And often fixing in bakeries is discovering where they're hiding the problems. <laughs> and they usually are very secretive. They're like, I'm not telling you. I mean, uh, yesterday, I, I have to admit, yesterday I walked into a little bit of a challenge. I looked at the formula and I go, okay. And they gave me some information on flour and what the parts per million of ascorbic acid were. And I asked on the dough conditioner, what to use, what is in there, checked with the manufacturer, got the PPM on ascorbic acid, on ADA. And I go, okay, that all makes perfectly sense. And then you get there and you make one batch and boy, you make a second batch, oh boy. The third one, then you start to question yourself. And after the fifth batch, I'm scratching my head. And by that time, now I got the information on the uh, PPMs on uh, ascorbic acid. And I said, okay, we do one more batch and I'm going to throw a Hail Mary at this. This is what we're going to do. And we got very close to solving the problem. And in that regard, 
if you have more people that can talk about an experience like that, the better it is. I'm all for sharing. There is always somebody that is better suited to do a job than me. Because like you said, we, we all walked different paths. We have our own experiences. Nobody can know everything. Talking about these experiences in the bakeries, it wasn't as a consultant. It was while I was working for, and so with soy protein was was really you know popular for all kinds of things at the time as this plant protein thing has been growing, and so we were working with a larger customer at a coal man. They're developing a rotary molded cookie that was being sandwiched with a protein filling. So there was a certain amount of protein in the cookie and protein in the sandwich, right? So the ADM's protein expert asked me to come along with him because his specialty was meat extensions, right? So didn't quite fit with cookies as well, right? You know, he was responsible for that and he had a lot of faith in me. And what was interesting is that all of the people from our customer end that they had sent in, they were all engineers. Not one of them was a baker or even a food scientist. They're all engineers and trying to solve this problem. So we had a look at the formula, saw what they were running, saw how it was running on the the molder, me getting in, grabbing the dough and and kind of squishing it and feeling it, what they were doing. And they kept wanting to add water. And I was like, no, you got to pull the water out. You need more fat in there so that this is just going to hold together and you'll have strength because you're getting all the brittleness because of all the water. And then You start adding more water and it starts to stick on the rollers all the time. It's like, you're going the wrong direction, right? Oh, really? It was all solved in a matter of a couple of hours. It was done, right? And they they thought I was a miracle worker. One thing I'm extremely passionate about is the history of baking. And I have about, I don't know, 250 books that I collect. And I do it because, you know, it's fun to read about it, all Mm -hmm. the stuff I didn't know. And what I stumbled upon is around 1910 in the U.S., there was the National Association of Master Baker that was created. Yeah, they had a badge. Each Master Baker had a badge that was part of the association. And why it was created is a different story. But I think it would be fun to push for it. I'm working back with the Retail Bakery Association because I've been helped. And you gentlemen, you know, for whomever wants to do is like they're always looking for some type of volunteers to judge master baker competitions. And they're looking at putting together, searching for all of the, if you're not on the list, I'll take your emails and Mm -hmm. putting the master bakers on the list on a data file and creating a group, which is going to be master baker. And maybe from there, we could have a national association and we could meet every year somewhere at a baking tech or who God knows where. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Some of the things Peter and I chatted about as well, and, and Peter mentioned earlier, the, the the pastry chef skill. Along those lines, in a way, why it surprises me that there was an organization in 1910 is because in the 60s, in U.S. and in Canada, bakers and pastry chefs were not a recognized trade. There was no regulation, no certification programs or anything like that. They were listed uh, by the governments, by skills or departments or whatever, as domestic help. So it was organizations like RBA and ASB in, in the U.S. and in Canada, the Canadian Pastry Chefs Guild and the Bakery Production Club, who created more recognition through the governments, through the local governments. And I don't know, Richard, if you've heard about in Canada, they have what's called a Red Seal program, 
that is for all of the trades. Peter, is it above 80% you have to score? You have to score above 80 or 85% to get a red seal. And so when it's a red seal, that means your certification, your C of Q is a certificate of qualifications is recognized in every province in Canada. So each province has its own certificate yeah. of qualifications for all of the trades, whether it's a carpenter, electrician, uh, they even have hairdressers, uh, all kinds of stuff like that, right? Same, same as in France, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. The only thing the U.S. tends to focus on is the degree programs. So that's why you have the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America, where you can then get a, an associate's degree, which is like a two-year degree, and then you can go on and get a bachelor's degree if you add other business aspects and things like that, too. This podcast is brought to you by J&K Ingredients. Their clean label mold inhibitor, Sormate, will keep your cakes and other sweet goods mold-free without the need for artificial preservatives. To learn more, go to www.jkingredients.com today. Because they're trying to tie it all into the university system. And separate from that, the, the culinary trades, the American Culinary Federation, that's where they have these other master programs and stuff like that. But they have so many different designations, it's unbelievable because you can be a certified culinary educator, you could be a certified bakery chef, certified pastry chef, and then there's certified executive baker, and it's, it's all these different levels, right? To some degree... It's about bringing money in to the association because you have to pay for these programs. And, and of course, it does cost money to put them together. But it's also a way of trying to create accreditation that is being recognized by others. Like the unique group of chefs who do R&D with companies, they form their own association, which is the Research Chef Association of America. And I'm a member there as well, too. And they have well over a thousand members, they develop their own certification programs where they have certified culinary scientists, where the focus is most of the exam is about culinary and about 20% food science. It's usually for somebody who already has a food science degree. And then they have certified research chef, which is about 20% culinary exam questions with about 80% <laughs> food science questions, like naming all the amino acids and all these kinds of stuff. What I have noticed too in companies that I had contact with or even worked in, the focus is on having to have a food science degree, a food chemistry, a PhD, you know, a lot of them would kind of fall into this pile high and deep, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even though my whole life from the age of 12 i've been in a bakery i think i'm doing quite okay with it i'm still just a baker mm -hmm. it's sort of kind of painful and disrespectful because we have a certain level of expertise and we paid our dues and working all minutes of the day mm -hmm. at some point yeah to have the right accreditation is very very important but it is very muddled out there when it comes to clear distinct this is what you have this is what you can do and, and a lot of the schools 
they have so much demand to fill courses. Mm -hmm. They don't have the manpower too. And then there's a lot of foreign students, for us at least, that come into the country. To some point, it's a money-making machine. Yes, that is the concern with a lot of the organizations, especially that I experienced while I was in the U.S., that some people simply would go through the motions of getting their letters or degrees to try and get a raise or get a different position, but didn't absorb any of the knowledge in the process at all. Mm -hmm. The colleges or, or organizations were happy to just churn and burn just to get them through, collect the fees and, you know, to keep their programs alive, right? I've talked with both of you at separate times and, and kind of what I wanted to address here a little bit too is that we need to kind of also through organizations, whether we form our own group of like the master bakers or, you know, working with the Baking Association of Canada and so on. We need to get back into the schools because they would be happy to have us. We just have to yes. make contact and tell them that we're available to share our knowledge and information to encourage kids for career opportunities. You need people with the baking knowledge, with engineering understanding, work collaborating with food scientists and so on. So there's all kinds of career paths there. You know, there's so much more trades we need. We need the trades too, but don't, you know, close yourself off from the other opportunities and stuff, right? Well, I think we talked about it not too long ago. I mean, I did the two presentations, one at the NSCC and BCC, what is Nova Scotia Culinary Community College. Yeah, the same for Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. I mean, that was one of the pep talks that I had to them to say, look, yeah, you get your red seal, what is a really good starting point, and that should be your goal. And then from there, there is a lot of new equipment that needs programming. If you like mechanical and baking, also has interest in being a millwright, mm -hmm. because you have the knowledge yep. that you can cross over into other areas yep. or the food science, the packaging, the whatever. There are so many, the electricians, all the trades are kind of connected and if you have the capability or you have the learnings behind you where you can cross them over kind of like making a braid you have three different strings that you put into a braid that's the kind of stuff that i talked to the students about and they were actually they were really engaged and they hungry for this students in high school had shown interest in baking Mm -hmm. So the teacher to say, you know what, let me reach out to the bakery association and see if there's somebody willing to talk to the students. So we had a Zoom call, Martin Barnett in Vancouver and myself, we spent about an hour and a half answering questions, how we got into this, what we do now, what we future holds. Again, this is what you were talking about we got to go back into the schools you know i was a student once i was 12 when i got into a bakery and the reason why i went back to that bakery was they treated me like a full human being mm -hmm. and we have to kind of implant that belonging mm -hmm. to the young crowd you're right peter i come from the bigger companies and i would always get in trouble because i would say and, and I still say that today, we were talking about, we're going to put educational training for the employees. And I would always say, where are the teachers? It should be people here, you know, and usually you find they don't have anyone. And they often 
you know, thanks to Bakerpedia, there's a lot of information online. They say, oh, go read the books. But we all know, and you guys know, the only way we're good at what we do, because I've made plenty of mistakes. And today I've learned from my mistakes because I had good mentors who would say, hey, this is what it is. Today, I think the education where it's crucial is the lack of knowledge, especially in the U.S., we're talking Canada, but from my what breaks my heart. Oh, it's is, not that different up here, I'll tell you. <laughs> we, we, you, have more, you have more bakers, but today everything we do is being governed by bankers and no longer bakers. And they used to be all the time in every bakery's a master baker. And I'll conclude with that. I had, a, I had a lunch with some people who sell to the bakery, still doing the art of fermentation, you know, like the mm-hmm. breads behind me. And they were telling me, and the guy's a baker, he said, who's now a salesperson? And he said, you know what's sad? He said, now there are bakeries who still have master bakers because I was like, bakeries have no bakers. He said, no, some bakeries still do. But you say, you know what their job is? Phone calls, mm-hmm. meetings, and reports. The master baker, we should be on the floor of a bakery every day. That's yeah. the way I feel. That's where I belong. But yeah. to your point, Peter, you know, you go there and they're like, oh, that other baker came in and he said something else. And what we do is not being done in one day. It's mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's like baking. You made a point also that once you say you're a baker, it tends to stop there. I fought that all my life, you know, that they say, oh, you're just a baker. Oh. Mm-hmm. But bakers have started amazing companies. Look at Entenmann. He was a baker. There are some awesome success stories in the baking industry. It's too bad that we don't capture them all. You know, those are success stories that can be shared where people started, you know, making whatever, some cookies in a garage. And then the next thing you know, they have like million, million dollar enterprises and do fantastic things. Richard, I think you and I were talking about it. The story of sliced bread. That was like a huge invention way back when. And initially, people didn't like the whole idea of their bread being sliced. They had to get used to that. They had to sell them to that. The guy who invented it was not even a baker. He was some sort of an engineer or something like that. And he died before he ever could get rich off of his idea of the bread slicing machine that he invented. But the first bakery that did it in mass production is like a museum now. It still stands. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. IBC, International Bakery Company. They were the first one which became hostess. These things, they started from humble beginnings, right? And so many of these types of stories. You know, if I move into a new neighborhood and I tell them I'm a baker, it's all, ooh. <laughs> what is he going to make When come I come by and get yeah. some goodies? <laughs> yeah, so. But everybody knows when I'm baking. I don't know, Richard, if you know, but I have a full baking lab in my house. No, I love it. I'm, I'm going to have to come and visit you. Yeah. <laughs> or you can come anytime. I have 400 square feet. And I have every tool that you could possibly need from a retarder to a deck oven convection, a little croissant machine, a rondinette. And when I make uh, products, obviously the whole neighborhood smells it. Richard, you're in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah, okay. Is that far from New Jersey? No, 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 it's uh, right at the border, depending of where in New Jersey, yes. Have you ever met Richard Bontempo? Yeah, yeah, I know Richard very well. Yeah, he has his own bakery at home too now. Yeah, he's he's another great guy that loves to bake. It's true, I love to bake. I still bake as much as I can. It's just fun to bake. 
Today's episode is made possible by Grain Millers, a trusted ingredient partner specializing in organic and conventional whole grain ingredients that boost nutrition and taste. Our products and partnerships allow us to provide simple, clean food that helps people live healthier lives. Find out how at GrainMillers.com. My favorite is probably diners, drive-ins, and dives. It's entertaining. And I yep. go always in my head and I go like, you know, we should do this for bakeries, yeah. pastry shops. Lynn and I did that. And so we went to Portland, Oregon to visit her there. And Lynn and I did that. I picked out a whole bunch of bakeries and, and pastry shops in the Portland, Oregon area. We were trying to focus on baguettes and croissants. And we went to a couple that were more like dessert pastries too. And it's really fun. We didn't formally or officially record it other than we just posted a whole bunch of pictures to Instagram. But to do it something like a tour of bakeries would be amazing. I wouldn't know who to contact for something like that. You know the Toronto area, Mark. Mm -hmm. So we are so culturally rich stay in the gta in the greater toronto area yep. and you know you go into a bakery and learn about baklava you go mm -hmm. learn about a pocket pita you go to an italian place and you learn something about the zeppoli the portuguese custard tart there are so many the german ride the jewish bagel there's yep. so much where you could do something and i think it would be very entertaining for people to kind of see look beyond the rim of your own plate you know we should start thinking about planning a series like that maybe we'll start off with philadelphia first because toronto will, have, will be a big one that'll be like a multi-episode show <laughs> dives that have a reputation for a certain good food or something i mean we got to find the bakeries like that too i think it would be fun it would be educational maybe the young students they kind of get a kick out of that but everybody loves to eat bread you're right that's what i found out too in my consulting and what i offer as well as data and i go in and i get as many data i have you know tools water activity moisture a friend of mine has that same machine so if needed we we've done it but once you get the data, it's like the industry today reminds me of the 1970s movie, Airplanes. There's no pilot. <laughs> and the bakery is like flying really high and fast. There's no pilot. And you go in there, it's like having a car with no gauges. You don't know how fast, you don't know if you have fuel, you don't know if you have oil, but someone told them to put it in. And you're like, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> with the real data, it's not about me. You go into certain places or into the bakeries and you have the very strong opinionated people, the bottlenecks or the negative talkers, and they carry a very, very strong weight in what decisions are going to be made in the bakery. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of take the emotion, the touchy feely kind of thing out of the equation and you can work with data, with numbers specifics it can only make sense with that also things like specification ingredient specifications and things like that too just because it's a certain brand or whatever doesn't make it better or good or what in that sense especially with entrepreneurs i've so often run into where they start off formulating something by buying plant-based butter from walmart and then to try and upscale your business from making a few cupcakes or something at home to now trying to 
turn this into production, you're not going to find these plant-based butters being produced commercially anywhere because they don't make sense commercially. The other thing I wanted to kind of circle back a little bit, Peter, you were talking about how when you came to Canada, at first you had difficulty immigrating because of language and that. And you mentioned a Swiss chocolate. Sissy Ball from Switzerland. He got me the papers within three months. It was incredible. And I got my landed immigrant papers so that I could immigrate with my wife and two kids. So Richard, did you speak English before you came to the U.S.? In France, they ask you if you want to speak another language. And at the age of nine, I took English. I knew I had to understand, but I didn't speak because when you come in the U.S., you know, the way they speak and, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I would learn, I, my name is Kathy. I live in London. I have trousers <laughs> and, and you come here, you speak like that and they look at you. Like, uh-huh. How y'all doing, y'all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Did you have immigration challenges coming into the U.S. or did you come in through a job opportunity? I came in the U.S. I lived in the Bahamas. I worked for Club Med and from there I met my ex-wife in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. And then from there it was easier to come to the U.S. Ah, okay. I was born in Canada. I'm Canadian, so it was easy for me to come it's back easy to Canada. To be here, yeah. <laughs> but when I moved to the U.S., I went to the U.S. originally on a work visa. That visa restricted me from doing anything thing outside of ADM. This kind of circles back a little bit now to our conversation about degrees and things like that, about certifications and qualifications. Can I go for a green card? And one of the interesting things was that it's difficult for them to prove the requirement of a skill or something that the U.S. didn't have. And so when they asked me for all my papers and everything else like that and checked all the background, they said, well, yes, I mean, lots of experience and everything, because at that point, I only had about 35 years of experience. Just 35? Just 35, yeah. My 35 years of experience and my journeyman certificate from my Condito Gazella certificate from Germany, they said it wouldn't even be equivalent to an associate's degree in the U.S. Because in Germany, when I went for, started my apprenticeship, I only had to have a grade eight education. And in the U.S., you have to have grade 12 to go to college. Yeah, immigrating to the U.S. is really complicated, right? It's not as easy as people want to believe. This has been really cool. We got to do this again sometime. Yeah, that Um, was fun, uh, gentlemen. Uh, I appreciate it. Good to meet you, Peter. Yeah. It was nice meeting you too, Richard. Well, that's it for another episode of Baked in Science. Thank you very much for listening. Please leave me some feedback at our Baking Industry Professionals Facebook group or email me at mark.florka at bakerpedia.com. If you thought this was interesting and worth listening to, we may be doing this again every two or three months. Happy baking and see you in the next one.